This is Digital Health Today, episode 18. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Health Tech X Global. Join key stakeholders from around the world at this year's Health Tech X Europe event taking place in London on the 20th of June, 2017. It's a packed day of insights from thought leaders working at the cutting edge of health tech and digital health. Health Tech X Europe will explore the current trends and challenges facing global healthcare. See the latest innovations being used to create high impact solutions and better outcomes for patients, practitioners, farmers, and payers. Join us on June 20th this year, 2017. Tickets are available now on healthtechxeurope.com. That's healthtech, the letter X, europe.com. You can also register there to join the global community and to receive promotions and discounts for Health Tech X events. And hey, if you're an innovator and want your business to be considered for a spot at Health Tech X Europe, visit the website to register your company. The top 20 health tech startups will receive a special invitation to participate. Hello and welcome back to Digital Health Today. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you being here and being a part of the digital health community that we're building, connecting thought leaders and innovators around the globe. There is so much at stake with the condition and performance of our healthcare systems, and we really need to accelerate the transformation of the practices and business models to improve health and wellness. That's our focus here, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. If you haven't done it yet, please head over to our website and officially join our digital health community. You can find the links on our website or go directly to digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash join. It's free to do, and I look forward to welcoming you there. I also invite you to subscribe to and rate our podcast. The way that Apple ranks shows like these is partially based on downloads, but it's also based on positive feedback. So I'd really appreciate your review on Apple. If you need a tip on how to do that, just click the support tab at the foot of the website, and that will take you to digitalhealthtoday.com support, where we have a little tutorial on how to find and rate the show from your phone or iPad. We have more great guests coming up, so when you subscribe, you'll immediately get notified when new shows are available. I had a great talk the other day with Daniel Kraft from Singularity University, talking about the future of health and... Arshiva Habzadeh of Harvard Medical School, we spoke for over an hour about the tremendous things happening in mental health. That call was so long, it may actually need to be our first two-part interview. We covered a lot of ground, and let's face it, mental health, this is a very important area that has been really underserved in discussions about healthcare. So if I can use this podcast as a platform to give mental health more focus, then I'm happy to do so. Again, subscribe to the podcast, and you'll get notified when that's available. So my guest today is a very successful consultant, entrepreneur, investor, writer, and now filmmaker. Dave Chase was named one of the most influential people in digital health based on his entrepreneurial success and his writing. He is widely published and he co-authored the book entitled Engage, Transforming Healthcare Through Digital Patient Engagement, which happened to win the Healthcare Book of the Year in 2014. Dave was the CEO and co-founder of Avado, and it was acquired by WebMD in 2013. He recently did a TEDx talk entitled, Healthcare Stole the American Dream, Here's How We Take It Back. I have the video for that talk embedded on the show notes page, so be sure to check that out on our website. Now he's taking a seat behind the camera in the development of a mockumentary that is taking aim at the American healthcare system. The guy really just has a lot of talent. He's the father of two great kids and just a really genuine guy who is always learning and developing new skills. As usual, we cover a lot of ground in this discussion, so be sure to check out the complete show notes. Visit our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 18. Now let's tune into the interview with Dave Chase. Dave, thanks very much for joining me on the show. My pleasure to be on. 
I've given the listeners a little bit of insight about your background. Uh, when I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, it reads like a who's who in health and technology innovation. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your journey and some of the big milestones along the way that's gotten you to where you are today? Sure. Um, I started my career at uh, what's now Accenture and uh, was in their healthcare practice and implementing health IT systems in a couple dozen different hospitals. And then there was this emerging company in the Seattle area called Microsoft that I thought, you know, would be an interesting company to work for. Um, and so went there, started their, their healthcare, uh, business, uh, which basically, as I joke, blame or credit me why most of the legacy health IT is on Microsoft's platform. So that was my job, uh, not to be confused with some stuff that I have that happened after I left the company. They did, they had a little foray of doing some healthcare specific software. Um, but this was more classic Microsoft, you know, they, they sell building blocks that others build around, and so that was really my job. And then I did a detour away from healthcare uh, for about a dozen years, basically in digital media and internet businesses, and then came back. Um, I always liked healthcare, but for a long time I said healthcare is where tech startups go to die, and I like startups that succeed, and I was a startup guy. Um, and really that's what I've done since I left Microsoft in 03. And, uh, yeah, started Avado, and ultimately that sold to uh, WebMD, which was a, a big milestone. Um, but during that journey, I started uh, chronicling really what I felt was the future of healthcare and was really excited um, about just how much better it performs in the status quo and ultimately – uh, just coined this term, the health Rosetta. Um, so those were some of the, the big things. And, and I guess during them, um, I also found not only the solutions, you know, to fix health, but sort of gained a new appreciation for just the level of dysfunction, uh, that exists in our, our system, uh, particularly in the States. Although, you know, I, I speak with folks all over the, the world, and I think we all have plenty of room for improvement. So those are some of the milestones. Dave, let me ask you. So you just gave us a little history of how you got to your, where you are now, but you talked about healthcare being a place where startups go to die and not wanting to get into it, and then you jumped right over to uh, starting Avado. So what happened in that interim time where you're a startup guy, you want to be a startup that succeeds, and somehow you got started with a startup in the healthcare space. What sort of changed in your life or in your experience that made you decide to jump into that? Yeah, a couple things. One was it was clear that healthcare had reached a breaking point. Obamacare was sort of a, a symbol of that and that it was going to inject a level of chaos and turmoil into the industry like we'd never seen, uh, in addition to what was going on in terms of technology developments. And generally, chaos and turmoil is good for startups and bad for incumbents. And so I thought, you know, time's come to, to come back. Um, and so that was uh, really the biggest driver. I mean, I had, to, had had some folks that were friends in the industry who, was, as I was kind of ramping back into it, uh, I got some sensitivities of the impact on their business. So that that flowed into it as well. But it was really just the broad sector shifts that I thought would change the dynamics enough to, to make it possible to succeed where it wasn't before. 
You were able to have a successful exit to WebMD in 2013. Was that a really defining moment in your career, getting back into healthcare and getting in at that time? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it really was a trigger point from taking healthcare as, as something that was, uh, you know, something I enjoyed. And, uh, you know, certainly the people I worked with and the problems we were solving to really something that was, you know, my life's work and passion to fix it. I mean, I, you know, have said some fairly provocative things like, I believe that healthcare is the greatest immediate threat to um, this country, and we've gone to war for far less than what healthcare has done to this country. And so, um, I feel like a lot of us, you know, need to jump in and do our part to fix that. And it's it's fixable. It's an immense challenge, but it, I do believe it's fixable. It is an immense challenge. You've coined the expression "health Rosetta." Can you explain what that means and what the principles are of the health Rosetta? You know, there in the British Museum, the Rosetta Stone uh, decoded the previously indecipherable Egyptian hieroglyphics. And uh, for a lot of folks, you know, healthcare is indecipherable. So Health Rosetta kind of decodes it. And it's kind of a, a blueprint for how to purchase healthcare smart, which very few of us do in the private or public sector anywhere in the world, uh, as well as a set of guiding principles that I worked on with Leonard Kish. And we curated a lot of great input from, you know, really dozens of different thought leaders around how do we even think about this kind of emerging new health ecosystem. There's really um, the the piece of how to purchase healthcare smart, which is kind of basic. Um, but really, every time I did a root cause analysis of some dysfunctional aspect of healthcare, it always came back to the way we purchase healthcare drives the dysfunction, whether it's having outdated technology or way too many medical mistakes or you know other things like that. And so what I did was really studied the organizations in the public and private sector that as one has as their tagline, you know, get twice the healthcare at half the cost and 10 times the delight. And they're actually doing it. And so it's kind of codifying what they're doing. You know, a simple example um, is doing primary care right. Um, you know, I think that's uh, probably nobody does primary care worse than the U.S. Um, you know, we've done everything imaginable to undermine it. And so there's there's ways to do that right, ways to purchase it right, ways to operate it right that the health rosetta codifies. And then the guiding principles are really to to be there for how should the industry respond if this is the way the industry should look and some of us will call it kind of the this health 3.0 is kind of the north star we're shooting towards you know what are the guiding principles to to sort of think about as you're running the business and running your practice and so on that that should guide how you go about operating because in a lot of ways it's it's you know as much as a 180 from the status quo and so we thought it would be helpful to to call out learnings and insights from some leading thinkers in the industry. And so that's kind of embodies what's in the Health Rosetta. The Health Rosetta is within the business that you founded. Is that, I mean, tell me the relation between those two things, between the business and the Health Rosetta. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I mean, the Rosettium is really just kind of my personal website. Um, there's, I would put the Health Rosetta activities under two um, primary areas. One is really on kind of the nonprofit impact, you know, 
area and we're setting up an institute where the health rosetta is a you know freely available resource sort of like a wikipedia if you will um and you know that needs to sort of stand on its own and and function on its own and so we're working on getting that all stood up and then uh, i guess you'd say my day job is the health rosetta group which is really a investment platform so the first fund that we have is is called the quad aim fund short for quadruple aim and so that is where um the health rosetta is informs that and in fact i published our investment thesis if you go back far enough in my linkedin article archive um you know in the spirit of of being open and transparent about it um it only stands to reason if you're going to purchase healthcare uh very differently of course there's going to be new healthcare technology companies healthcare service companies and so on and so um you know ourselves and others uh, should, who are really leaning into this new model should be able to get insights that we can then support the development of kind of this next generation of, of healthcare companies. So you mentioned that the turmoil in the healthcare industry in uh, what about 2010, 2011 had you excited about the, the industry and the opportunities to displace some incumbents. How do you feel about the current climate post-election in the U.S.? What do you think some of the change in turmoil or stability that we're going to see over the, the coming years with the new president in place? Well, I guess I will preface it with, I think, a birth defect that most entrepreneurs have is congenital optimism. And so, you know, however you may feel about the particular choice that, you know, the country made for the president, I think that one thing is very clear um status quo has been put on notice and you know the things that have been in place for a long time it's very clear aren't working and you know something that i wrote about about nine months ago after one of the big primaries was how the media was really missing the story which at that it was the michigan primary and bernie sanders and donald trump had won and that was surprising to some. And the narrative of one of these interviews on NPR was it was about trade. And it, you know, there was an economist from Dartmouth who was like, no, you know, it's really about wage stagnation and the fact that the middle class hasn't seen, um, you know, wage increases in 20 years. And it's not because employers uh, aren't spending a lot more on employees because, you know, we have an employer based healthcare system, you know, in the States. Um, its problem is every dollar and then some has gone to healthcare, and so you know you combine that with the projections for millennials are more than half their lifetime earnings will go to the healthcare system. I mean that is just that's the most optimistic scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, those things can't stand, and so I look at it and say you know hard to predict exactly what specific actions the new administration will take, but at the same time. I think that it's very clear that people are very frustrated. Sometimes it's misdirected, but you know, I think that that does spell out opportunity and point out, particularly for a fund like ours, where we're all about leaning into new payment models and, and deflationary economics. We believe we're the first fund that is explicitly investing around deflationary economics, which have happened in most other industries. So, you know, I, I, I think there's opportunity. Um, 
you know, my, you know, any concerns I have are more around international affairs. Um, but when it comes to healthcare, um, I think that, you know, there's going to be some big things happening that I think, you know, again, I'm congenital optimist. I think net will be positive because we're coming from a, a place where the bar is so low, a snake could jump over it. What I'm surprised by is the pace at which change has happened so far. You mentioned Obamacare and the run-up to Obamacare and the and through the implementation of it. The changes happened so quickly in, in an industry that has historically been so slow to change and in many ways still is so slow to change. Um, so I think it is an exciting time, uh, regardless of where you come down in the political debate, it's going to be a, a very interesting time for the country as it relates to healthcare. You mentioned some interesting statistics there about millennials and what they'll be contributing, uh, what they'll be paying in healthcare over the course of their lifetime. And it's just, it, it can't continue, uh, in this way. And we've been saying these sorts of things for years and decades, and then we, we seem to just keep saying it. So hopefully all of us who are pulling together to try to make some change will, uh, succeed and make some positive impacts as uh, as I know you've been doing. So when I saw you at Health 2.0 in um, Santa Clara a few months ago, uh, late September, I guess it was, you had come off the stage that you shared with Z-Dog, which is a person you're collaborating with. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're, you know, it's really an informal collaboration. Uh, he is very vocal articulator of this health 3.0 vision and so one of the things that is a part of this institute i mentioned is we, we kind of draw analogies from some other arenas like lead which has accelerated the green building movement and fair trade that you may have be familiar with for things like coffee and so i would say you know he's he's sort of a community organizer if you will and certainly build a big following I'm more kind of nuts and bolts systems guy, and so it's a nice compliment. And so uh, his his uh, community, which he calls ZPAC, has provided some fantastic input into things like how do we define what a fair trade means in healthcare? I don't believe we have a fair trade today. Um, you know, it's one where there's um, you know obfuscation of of price. There's safety culture data that's suppressed and, and more. And so we need to define a fair trade. That's something that, you know, as, as I, I think generational shifts can help, um, you know, drive and accelerate some changes and certainly millennials and, and others get things like fair trade and, and lead. And so we'll kind of use those as kind of analogies of like, look, we, we need to do something different. And a fair trade is about a fair trade for both sides um, and it's not fair that, um, you know, doctors and nurses in some environments are frankly abused. Um, and we think that that should be, you know, just as if you buy fair trade coffee, there's an assumption that you're not facilitating child and slave labor. You know, we'd like it to have elements that, uh, define, uh, staff treatment, you know, because not only for the humanity of it, but it is, you know, the Lancet's published and others, what's really common sense. If a staff is treated well, that naturally leads to um, better outcomes, you know, with the patients. So if you don't know, Z-Dog MD is a very passionate, talented, uh, performer, doctor, speaker, advocate in the industry. And I encourage you to go check out Z-Dog, that's with two Gs, Z-Dog MD.com. 
and take a look at some of his videos, sign up for his newsletter. But when he was introducing you on stage, you were announcing the new project that you're working on, uh, The Big Heist. Can you tell me a little bit about that project and what is it you aim to achieve through this this new film? Yeah. The way I look at it is, you know, I, with my last startup, I went looking for a market gap just like any entrepreneur would and did find one. Um, but what I also found was the greatest heist in American history. And that is what healthcare is doing to America. And so as I thought about this and, and what I mentioned earlier in terms of it really being such a great threat to the country, and when you look at great societal challenges that we've tackled, like civil rights or better food or uh, you know climate change, energy independence, and so on, they always get solved from the bottom up. Um, eventually, the politicians will run to the front of the parade. And as I thought about how do you catalyze a movement like that, I think the only way you can overcome something as intractable as healthcare is if there's a bottom-up movement that's a partnership between clinicians and citizens. And so the idea is to basically wake people up, be wickedly entertaining, and be something that is, even if you didn't care a lick about healthcare, you would want to watch it for the entertainment value. And then that's you know, a Trojan horse of sorts to then say, oh my God, look what's going on here. We need to do something about it. And so we believe that we're the first fiercely nonpartisan film to use humor. Of course, there's been a lot of documentaries. Um, the the genre really we're really focused in on um, will get referred to as a mockumentary. You know, it's more of satire and, you know, more in the spirit of, you know, Borat and Spinal Tap and, and you know, that type of, of thing um, than it is a, uh, you know, kind of regular documentary. Um, so that's really our, our challenge right now is, is we've got the basics of the story, but it's, it's uh, really nailing down the right writing and creative team that, you know, can take my big hunk of marble that's pretty wonky um, and turn that into, you know, a real work of art that, you know, would be wildly entertaining for anybody. So I'd heard you describe it before as a, a combination of the inconvenient truth meets supersize me. But now you're talking about Spinal Tap and Borat. Is your vision changing or is it still uh, sort of a mix of those four sorts of films? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, a you know, it is a mix. I mean, I would say we, we've sort of drifted more towards maybe away from pure documentary to more of the satire, you know, mockumentary. And so I'll tend to say, you know, supersize me is certainly relevant. The big short is another one, <clears throat> you know, so those type of films that make a point, but do it in a way that, you know, hopefully your ribs are hurting when you walk out of it from, <laughs> you know, being entertained. Fantastic. So tell me about the process. So, I mean, you've, you've been a technology guy, you've been a startup guy, you've done healthcare. Now you're becoming a filmmaker. So what's the learning curve? What are you doing? How are you getting started? You know, how are you assembling a team around this vision and what can the listeners do to support it? Yeah, I guess I just like being dumb again, you know, and going into new categories. Um, and you know, I, I put it out there, boy, you know, over a year ago, um, that, hey, this sort of thing needs to be made. And I was kind of hoping somebody would go do it. Um, and then at a certain point realized, oh, you know, I guess I have to do it because I have the vision here. And it took me a while. It was a little slow. Um, but somewhere along the line, somebody said, you know, this is like a startup. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, I guess it is. You know, you got to put together a world-class team. You got to, you know, creating a big idea that gets people want to join the team and support it financially. And, and so, uh, it is a lot like that. And so that gave me a little more confidence when I sort of slowly came around to that point. And so what we've done is, um, you know, we've brought in some consultants for kind of the first round of kind of developing the story approach and, and sort of refining our thinking and my business partner, he has a next generation movie movie studio that um, does direct to digital uh, films around social media stars. So I have some folks that are you know in the industry, and then one of the key things that um, you know we launched at Helltoa was a crowdfund. And frankly, the the funding part of it was objective number three. That went great. We beat our target by fifty percent, so that was great. But really, objective one and kind of 1A was starting to build the movement. Um, and then two, which is imp- important really all along the path, but certainly right now, is um, connections. You know, by putting a marker out there that we're doing this, um, the idea is you never know who is connected to who. And, you know, making any film, even if you're a famous Hollywood person, is non-trivial, let alone getting distribution. And so, you know, we want to put all the things in our favor and, uh, you know, it's starting to bear fruit. I mean, it turns out, you know, some folks that we know had no idea are connected to some very big names in, in Hollywood or people who want to invest. And, and so that's kind of the process, you know, we've been to date, you know, through, I mean, there's a lot of work around the crowdfund. Um, and uh, like I said, that went great. So where we're at now is really taking it to that next level of sort of building it out. And if you quite call it a script, um, because there's a certain amount of ad lib that, that happens in, you know, anything from a daily show to a Borat or, you know, whatever, but you kind of have a, a clear idea on how you're going to reveal and tell the story. Um, you kind of have the arc in mind and then you kind of, set up these scenarios to then kind of paint that story arc. Um, so it's finding the right folks who can do that and the right talent. And, and so that's a lot of what we're doing now is the, the writing, the creative talent, and ultimately some of the on-screen uh, talent. And then, you know, down the line, we'll be getting into, and we're thinking about it now, but, um, you know, you get into more of the, how do you distribute it and film festivals and distribution partners and, and international. And, you know, it's something where, well, we're going to definitely focus in on the U S market, um, in this film, you know, I think it's, it's something where, you know, if you want to laugh at Americans, I think we'll, there'll be a good opportunity to do that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, because there's a lot of, you know, absurdities in the way we do things. And, you know, if we, we do it in the way you know we want, where it's very entertaining. Even if you're not sort of a victim of the U.S. healthcare system, you will, I think, be very entertained by just how you know wacky we can be sometimes. I know that there's a lot of things that are wrong with the U.S. health system. I think there's a lot of things that are wrong with health systems all around the world, and certainly in terms of being the the focus because of the size of the problem financially and, and also in terms of population. Obviously, the U.S. has a, a lot that needs to be done to improve using humor as a way, as a tool to 
focus on it and get people to see some of the the insanity of the way we do things is a very effective way of doing it. So I really applaud you having the vision and then taking up the chalice and realizing that you want to make this a reality. Uh, so the fundraising campaign is closed then? You met your number and is it is that no longer open for people to donate? Uh, that's correct. That's correct. So, um, I mean, if, if somebody, I mean, we will have a vehicle that's a nonprofit one as far as you know, if somebody wants to invest, so, you know, those are like bigger dollar type of things. But for now, um, yes, this phase, we will probably do a crowdfund later on when we're broadening, you know, out because I, I describe it as sort of ripples in the pond where, you know, the, the rock in that metaphor is, you know, folks like us who are, you know, really leaning into this next generation. And then, so the focus of this first crowdfund was that first ripple out for looking nurses and doctors and benefits people and, and so on. And the next crowdfund that we will likely do would be that next ripple out. People who aren't in the industry, but they have a stake in the industry. They might be a business owner, they might be a municipal leader. And so there'll be another opportunity there. But yeah, at this point, the the actual crowdfund uh, was wrapped up. And, you know, so now we're kind of bearing down on and getting to the next stage of the, the project. So the project name is The Big Heist. Where can people find out a bit about it? Do you have a website set up or a Facebook page? All the above. So um, the website is bigheistmovie.com. Uh, the Facebook and Twitter are The Big Heist you know, or at the big heist. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, go there. You can learn more about the project and sort of our view on some of the, the problems and the fixes. And we also have a section on, you know, tell us your story, you know, where people are kind of sharing, um, you know, whether they're a patient or their doctor or a physical therapist, uh, you know, some of the experience that they've had and we're kind of become sort of a confessional, you know, for the industry to uh, share some some stories that are, you know, some are touching, some are frankly pretty horrific um, in terms of, you know, what perverse incentives are doing to uh, to doctors and by extension kind of to the, the patients that they treat. So bigheistmovie.com, The Big Heist on Facebook and at The Big Heist on Twitter. We will make sure we have links to all that on the show notes. How about following you or keeping track of what you're working on with Rosetium or with your own personal Twitter feed? How can people track you down and keep informed about what you're working on? A, a pretty safe bet is uh, Chase Dave on just about anything, whether it's uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Gmail, Facebook. Um, well, actually, I don't think Facebook, um, <laughs> Skype. Um, but uh, yeah, just about everything, I'm, I'm Chase Dave. Uh, so you can, you can find me there usually pretty easily. And, and, and it's not Dave Chase. There's the poor guy who runs, uh, music for Burberry in the UK. Um, he beat me by like a month on getting at Dave Chase. So it's, it's not him. Um, you know, I'm not him. He's, he's a patient guy. Um, but yeah, I'm Chase Dave. All right, great. We'll make sure we include that link as well. Dave, I've got a few questions that I'd like to ask all our guests. Do you have a few minutes to indulge me? Yeah, please. Fantastic. Dave, what's the best advice or a favorite saying or quote that motivates you? Well, I would say, you know, one you hear still sticks with me, which is um, the Margaret Mead quote, you know, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. I think it's just a very powerful but simple, you know, quote that I like. What advice would you give for other innovators and entrepreneurs working in health? Well, uh, you know, a couple things, um, 
you know, the, the first rule that I think I learned or when I was a new consultant was don't, uh, automate a broken process or throw technology on top of a broken process. And I see a lot of that, you know, I call it kind of lipstick on the pig. Um, and I think that's one reason why I, I wrote a pretty well-read, uh, piece on, you know, why 98% of digital health startups are zombies. And, and that's part of it as well as, um, the, the ones that are succeeding, the ones we're investing in, they walk this fine line between understanding the idiosyncrasies of healthcare without being shackled by them. You know, you tend to find folks who are blind to or dismissive of the idiosyncrasies. And, you know, I'd be the first to criticize a lot of those idiosyncrasies, but you can't wish them away. Conversely, you find people are just so shackled by the current way things are doing, they don't see the opportunity. Um, so those are things that then kind of lead naturally to uh, folks that are really understand healthcare, but really want to change things. And they come up with clever go-to-market and business models that really separate them from the pack. I mean, the technology piece of it, frankly, is a pretty small piece of it. And so, you know, don't fall too in love with your technology. Um, really understand the market dynamics and, and who would really value it. And that will inform, you know, the, the business model and go-to-market. Yeah, I always tell people not to fall in love with their technology or their solution, but to fall in love with the problem that they're trying to solve. That will help them stay attuned to new solutions and, and new ways of solving that problem. What book yeah. would you recommend to our listeners and why? Well, you know, I'd say that the two sort of go-to books, if you want to understand the U.S. healthcare system, um, are Catastrophic Care by David Goldhill and Unaccountable by Marty McCary. And you know, the first one really addresses kind of the business side of it, um, mainly. And Marty McCary is a Johns Hopkins surgeon, really addresses some of the dysfunction on the delivery side. Um, those would be, I mean, I'd say for anyone, regardless of where, the, where they are, I also like Atul Gawande's Being Mortal book, which is great. Excellent. We'll have links to all those books in the show notes. So thanks for all those recommendations. What technology tool or app would you not want to live without, Dave? You know, I would probably say um, Evernote. That's probably my go, you know, kind of Swiss army knife does everything, you know, is my extended brain is where I dump ideas, I brainstorm in there and and it, it just kind of just does the job for me and it's on all my devices and and uh, I'd say that's where I end up spending time and archiving stuff. So it's just been a really good tool for me. And finally, Dave, we're going to make a donation to a charity of your choice. What charity would you like us to donate to? And can you tell us a little bit about what they do? You bet. Uh, I would say that it would be the Society for Participatory Medicine. Uh, I think they're a great organization, uh, really as the voice of you know the most important member of the care team, the patient. And you know that organization... Um, you know, has a mix of clinicians, very forward-looking clinicians, as well as um, what they call uh, e-patients. You know, equipped, enabled, empowered, and so I think they're they're a great organization. And certainly, having the voice of the the patient is a lot more than just a nicety for marketing. It's very much in these successful models going forward. The one, the the biggest difference I see is, you know, I, I literally think it's like a Copernican shift, you know, in the old 
world, it's like technology and providers are the center of the healthcare universe and the in the future world, the patients are the center of the universe, you know, in terms of the mindset. And so it's not that they're, you know, the czars of it, but it just, it really gives you a different mindset uh, when you think that way. And I think they really embody how that should work and are influenced in the industry in a positive way. Great. We'll get a donation off to them and we'll make sure we include a link to them in the show notes so other people can find them. Thanks very much for suggesting them. Dave, that's the last question. Thanks very much for joining me today. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before I let you go? No, I think that was great. I really appreciated the opportunity and, and happy to uh, hear from folks and you know, just really enjoyed the conversation. There you have it. Dave Chase. I cannot wait to watch his movie when it's available. And I'll see if we can have him back here once it's released to talk about the process and gauge the impact it's having on changing the practice of healthcare. There are a lot of links that we just covered, so don't worry about trying to remember them all. Just go to the website. I've got Dave's TED Talk. I've got links to some of the articles, including the one about startups being zombies. So check out all those links by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 18. Don't forget while you're there, take a minute to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to leave a review. I really appreciate you supporting the work that we're doing here. That's all for now. Until next time, keep on innovating. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Again, that's digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free for your free audiobook.